Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. Today, I want to take this unique opportunity that I have to honor the memory of my grandfather, my granddad, Pasley, who was the founding bishop of this wonderful church. I don't speak of him very often from the pulpit, but he has made an eternal difference in my life. He's one of my four cornerstones in life, and I think so much of him still that um, I, without even realizing it, married somebody a lot like him. That's how much I think of my granddad, Pasley. He had such a gentleness, a meekness in his spirit, but he was a powerful man of God. He was not tall in stature, but he was a spiritual giant in my life and in the lives of many people. He could convince you that you were amazing. You absolutely believed it by the time he was done talking to you. And that smile is unforgettable. I still talk to people who say, what I remember most about your granddad was his amazing smile. What a great legacy to be remembered as someone who was kind and loving. He loved everybody. But I honor Bishop Granddad this morning. And I realize that today is a hard day. It's hard for Asher. Pray for him as he is in the sanctuary this morning. But I I realize that today is a hard day for some of us. And I want to begin my message by acknowledging that fact, and he's going to be okay. You should pray for him in this moment. Lord, be with Asher. But um, I wanted to start by offering a verse to those of us who maybe dread this day on the calendar a little bit more than other days, other holidays, that um, there's a verse that I've known for a long time, but has become very personal and very real to me. In recent years, and that is Psalm 2710, when David said, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. And David was speaking from very real experience that whatever situation has presented itself in your life, where your parents are absent for some reason, it is then that the Lord has promised to fill those roles in our lives and be our parent. And I am so thankful. I'm a witness to that. And if you are struggling today, I can assure you the Lord is with you and will continue to be with you. And so today I have a very unique opportunity to honor my dad on Father's Day. And I'm very thankful that the Lord has given me a message that I believe will do just that. And so I want to turn your attention to the book of Acts. And I'll be reading a couple of verses from three different chapters. And I'm going to begin in Acts chapter 4, verses 36 through 37. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levi of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him 
and did not believe that he was a disciple. Understandably so, right? Major life change has happened at this point. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how Paul had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And then finally, chapter 15, verses 36 through 39. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And with the help of the Lord on this Father's Day, I would like to preach to you from this thought, how to be epic. How to be epic. If there was a character in Scripture that best illustrates my dad's legacy and impact in this world, I believe it is a man named Barnabas. Technically speaking, his given name was actually not Barnabas, although that's how we know him because that is the name the New Testament writers use when they are referring to a man who was named Joseph. What we know about him is that he is from Cyprus, that he is a Levite, that he is from a ministry family, if you will. He's a member of the church in Jerusalem. Remember, that was the big headquarters church, the mother church. He was a generous man. The first time the Bible makes reference to him, he has actually sold a piece of land, and he is donating the proceeds to the community, which we know was common in Acts chapter 2. A lot of people gave in that way. We know that Barnabas was highly involved in the establishment of the Antioch church and in the missionary travels of the Apostle Paul. We also know, because the Bible is specific to tell us, that Barnabas was related to John Mark, who we know wrote the Gospel of Mark. Now, there's a little bit of debate out there as to their relation, whether Barnabas was Mark's uncle or his cousin. Either way, the, the family connection is sure they were, in fact, related. And so in Barnabas, we see an inspiring individual whose life of consecration played a key role in the growth and the influence of that early church. Now, Barnabas does not get the press. He does not get the screen time that Peter and Paul do. But what the Bible does tell about him, and you know me, I love this. What the Bible does say about Barnabas is quite compelling. I would argue that Barnabas was an epic disciple. First of all, Barnabas was encouraging. I think it's very significant that the first thing that Dr. Luke shares with us about Joseph from Cyprus is that he was so esteemed, so beloved by the disciples that they gave him a nickname named Barnabas. And that's quite a compliment coming from your peers. I don't know a lot of people that I would nickname son of encouragement. 
Maybe, maybe you know a lot of people like that, and good for you. Your life is better for it. Now, I do know some people that I could call the son or daughter of discouragement, where there's just this dark cloud that follows them everywhere they go, and Eeyore is present when they are, you know, but Barnabas wasn't like that, and his peers admired that so much about him that they gave him a nickname, and it was Barnabas. What a rare and admirable quality. And today, I would submit to you that to be a person of encouragement is a very biblical way to live your life. And throughout the Bible, the importance of our speech and our treatment of other people is very clear to us because the Bible speaks to that in very specific ways. Jesus would say, loving your neighbor... Loving one another was as important, was equal, and lumped into the same commandment as loving the Lord God with all your heart. That's how important it is. Paul goes into great detail about our speech in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 29 when he says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Now that is a tall order. Nothing bad come out of your mouth. Stop it. In our house, that was called the thumper rule. Because we gravitated towards Disney wisdom. Because that was something that resonated with us. And so dad would say, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And that rule was not abided by most of the time. Because there was four of us girls and we had nothing good to say to each other most of the time, and that vexed him so much that we would fight, and it was constant, people. It was constant. My dad was always yelling because that was the only way he could be heard over top of us, arguing and picking at each other, but it just devastated him as an only child that here we had each other. He would say, I would have paid money to have a sibling, to have somebody to talk to, and you guys can't get along, and we were like, what are you even talking about, you know? But I remember one time he was especially amped up because we were fighting so much, and he invoked the thumper rule. And he said, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And he said, if we lived up to this rule in this house, there would be days of silence because none of you can live up to this standard. He was absolutely right. And he lived long enough to know that I am reaping what I have sown. And now we remind each other of the thumper rule. But no silence yet. So, back to the word of God. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying what is necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind. So don't just say nice things, but be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And here's the standard. Even as God in Christ forgave you. Wow. 
That is a pretty direct commandment. The truth is, anybody can be negative. Anybody can be critical. Anyone can be cynical, especially in the environment we find ourselves in these days. And yet the Bible repeatedly challenges you and I with the weightiness of our speech in each other's lives. Because light is more powerful than darkness. And the damage that is done to us through our words. Think about the potential power of the good things that we say and put into each other's hearts and minds. And so today I want to challenge you to consider the power of your words. Because it's not to be taken lightly. The book of Proverbs says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so today I would just say, if you love somebody, tell them. If you appreciate what they do, express that to them somehow. Make sure that you find ways to encourage others. John would say in his letter in chapter 3, verse 18, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I think that Barnabas understood this because he was in a great position of authority and influence in that powerful time in church history. And Barnabas chose to be an encourager. Secondly, Barnabas was present. He wasn't just a bystander in the Acts church, though. I believe that he is fully present and involved in various aspects of the church. He's not the kind of guy to stand around with his hands in his pockets waiting for somebody to say, hey, could you help us here? I believe, based on what we see in Scripture, that Barnabas is in the middle of everything that the church is doing, helping in any way that he can. Because this is what we do know. In the 28 verses that the Bible mentions Barnabas specifically, we see him in a variety of roles, We see him in a variety of circumstances. We find Barnabas preaching and teaching and discipling and pastoring and traveling. He's mentoring people and he is giving to the church. Barnabas was a busy guy and he was busy for the sake of God's church. He wasn't just a leader, but he was involved in people's lives. And from what Dr. Luke shares with us, we find Barnabas very present in the life of a man known as Saul of Tarsus. After his dramatic conversion on the Damascus Road in Acts 9, we find Saul, who has now changed his name to Paul, make his way back to Jerusalem trying to join the church there. Because he knows that's where he needs to go because of his conversion experience. And so I want to read again because I think it's so powerful when we think about what happens in this moment for Saul. When Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he was a disciple, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. 
And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. Here we see that Barnabas played a key role in the church's acceptance of Paul after his change of heart. Barnabas becomes Paul's advocate now in this environment. Barnabas put his credibility on the line with his fellow disciples, with that wonderful, powerful church to say, this guy isn't who you think he is. But that was quite a leap for them because Paul had murdered members of their church. He alone was responsible, no doubt, for the deaths of some family members in that church, and maybe even among the disciples themselves. He's public enemy number one as far as the church is concerned, and then he shows up at church. Dear God, can you imagine if Adolf Hitler showed up at TCC and said, I'm ready to join. I'm a changed person. I don't think so. Security, we have a problem. We're about to have a problem. And so here, Barnabas throws himself in front of the train, so to speak, to say, this guy is different. He's not Saul of Tarsus anymore. He is Paul. Give him a chance. And thanks be to God that Barnabas did that that day. Can you imagine the church without Paul? Can you imagine your Bible without Paul? No. And I would say today that Barnabas had something to do with it. This incident is carefully recorded in Scripture because I believe it resonates with every one of us today. All of us have had a Barnabas in our life. We have had somebody intercede for us, stand in the gap for us, and bring us into fellowship With God's family. Because connecting to God's people is absolutely crucial to our conversion, to our sustained life change, and to us finding our place in the kingdom of God and fulfilling our purpose. Here we see with undebatable clarity that without Barnabas and the rest of the disciples in Jerusalem this day, Paul would not have become the amazing apostle that he was. And without Paul, the church would not have had the lasting impact that it did then and still does to this day because we were made for connection. It was Paul who would compare the church to a building fitly framed together. It was Paul who would make the analogy to a body and every member and part of your body being connected so that it can function fully and completely. And it is part of God's divine order. And as we see most recently, Satan will do anything to disrupt that order Not just within the church, but anywhere he can. Because he's afraid of the power of our love and connection to each other. 
Because Pentecost happens when the church is united. When we operate in the love of Christ, he can do anything that he wants in people's lives. The church needs more people like Barnabas. In order for us to have the revival that we so desperately need across denominations, we have got to have people like Barnabas who stand in the gap and help people experience life change and help them find their way into the arms of a loving family of God. But that will not happen unless we have people in the church who are fully present in the kingdom of God. Willing to do what needs to be done and aware of what God is trying to do in people's lives. Thank you, Barnabas. Thank you, Barnabas, for realizing Paul needed a chance. For realizing the church needed Paul. Because true change in our lives is empowered through our connection to God's people. Thirdly, Barnabas was intentional. And you knew that word was going to be said at some point. I know you did. But we know that the Acts Church experienced exponential growth from day one. People were coming into the church every day. And the church at Antioch was growing at such a rate that the disciples send Barnabas to Antioch to try to help. To try to lead and pastor and teach all these Bible studies. Get all these people together in a cohesive body. And so Acts 11 tells us in verses 25 through 26. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was for that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And so it's important for you to understand that at this time, Paul is relatively new to the church. He's a new Christian. He hasn't had a lot of time teaching and preaching. He doesn't have that reputation of, man, this guy is no joke. You can't believe the way he teaches and preaches. He's he's still very new to the church. In fact, he only had one preaching engagement that we know of that the Bible says in Jerusalem. And he was so effective that he made the Hellenists very, very angry and they tried to kill him. So he had to run out of town. So this is where we find him. He's back in Tarsus. He's back in his hometown, probably waiting for what's next, God. And so Barnabas very intentionally goes to Tarsus and says, Paul, you can help us. Build this new church in Antioch. Barnabas was not threatened by Paul. Can't imagine how intimidating his intelligence must have been. One of those people you don't want to get in an argument with is what I'm guessing. And Barnabas wasn't afraid of that. He wasn't intimidated by his immediate effectiveness there in Jerusalem. Because Barnabas recognized the hand of God on Paul's Life And he looked for ways, as we see right here, he looked for ways to involve Paul in the church. He didn't see Paul as a personal threat to him and his position in the church. And not everybody operates that way. It's very easy in our humanity to be intimidated 
by people that we perceive as more talented, more capable. And it's hard sometimes to put ourselves in a place to help them to continue to prosper and succeed. And we see a picture of that in in Scripture where that was not the case with Saul and David. Saul was so consumed by his jealousy of David that it literally made him crazy. And he lost out on everything that God had planned for him because he hated David so much. But we do not see this in Barnabas because Barnabas was not just a disciple. He was a disciple maker. He didn't just get Paul to Jerusalem and say, good luck with this one. He's going to be a toughie. But the Bible lets us know Barnabas is there. He's there with Paul. And in the first uh, few verses, it's Barnabas and Paul. That's how Luke writes it. But then all of a sudden, later in the book, he turns it. And now Paul supersedes Barnabas. Because Paul is growing in authority and leadership and influence in that time. And Barnabas was okay with it. He facilitated it. He helped get Paul there. Barnabas was intentional. And he looked for ways to help other people find their calling and find their place in the church. He was a leader of that great church. By serving the vision of the church. And we see this not just in Paul's life. But we see it in the life of a young man named John Mark. And I think it's very important for us to understand. That Mark was a relative of Barnabas's. Barnabas did not have this tunnel vision of. I'm in the church. I'm all in. And that's all that matters. But Barnabas looked for ways to include his family. And what God was doing in that mighty church. And so he reached out to a nephew of his named John Mark. But like Paul, Mark was not a perfect candidate for scripture. Or for scripture, dear God, for ministry in the scripture. He was not the perfect candidate. And the Bible is so cool to let us know that Mark messes up big time. He messes up big time with Barnabas And Paul in Acts 15. He essentially drops off the radar and he leaves the missions trip. Bible doesn't tell us why. But the Bible tells us that Paul was done with him. Dunzo. Shunned. By Mark. Don't ever come back. And Uncle Barnabas was like, we got to give him another chance. Here Barnabas is again, ironically with the person that he helped get into the church, trying to stick up for young Mark to say he needs another chance. He's young and inexperienced. But the Bible lets us know in Acts 15 and verse 37, Barnabas was determined to take with them, he and Paul, John Mark on this particular trip. But the contention was so great between Paul and Barnabas that they parted ways. Agree to disagree. And so the Bible tells us that Paul took Silas and Barnabas took Mark. And how, here we find, I think, the fourth element of how to be epic this morning. And that is to be Christ-like. 
Barnabas showed mercy to everybody. From the estranged, like Paul, who had been Saul, to the backslidden, like John Mark. At some point, though, we know that Paul changed his mind. I have to wonder what Paul's personality was like. I just assume he was a very intense individual. And I don't think he was wrong often, and so I wonder if he was able to admit it when he was wrong. Hopefully he was, since he was a believer. But we know that he does, in fact, admit, Barnabas, you were right about Mark. Because in 2 Timothy 4, verse 11, we read, Only Luke is with me. This is Paul talking. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And I think it's fair to assume this morning that Barnabas had something to do with that. Barnabas believed in Mark when nobody else did. And he gave him a second chance when he didn't deserve it. And thank God Barnabas did. The gospel of Mark, hello? Did Barnabas have any idea what his nephew would do to contribute to the kingdom of God, the impact his words about Jesus' life and ministry would have on you and I still. But Barnabas was like Christ. He doesn't give up on us, does he? There's no one he won't continue to reach for. Barnabas saw Paul And saw Mark, not just as they were at that time, but as they could become with God's grace. And so this morning, I realized that my appeal to you is very unique. But I believe that it is for everyone here on this Father's Day. Today, we remember someone who was a spiritual father to the Calvary Church Someone who was a constant source of encouragement in our lives. Cheering us on, lifting us up in any situation we found ourselves in. He was in our corner. We remember him as someone who was fully present in the kingdom of God and in our lives. He was a disciple of Jesus Christ. And he was a disciple of maker. He showed us how to live our lives with Jesus at the center of it. Bishop Dad was intentional in everything that he did. He believed that people were the best investment that he could make with his time and his energy. And finally, my dad was Christ-like because he loved unconditionally. And he believed in everyone To him, no one was beyond hope. No one was undeserving of effort and hope. Everyone had value. And so this morning, I truly believe that all of us can be a Barnabas. We can, in fact, be epic. You can be epic this morning because you can be like Barnabas. I invite you to stand with me. We won't be coming to the altar. I just want to close 
by us praying in this moment and letting the Lord talk to us and apply his word by challenging us with maybe some areas that we can do better. Maybe we could be more encouraging to others. Maybe we could be more present in people's lives. Maybe we could be more intentional with our time with people and our involvement in certain areas of life. All of us, no doubt, can be more like Christ. That where people have hurt us and we have naturally maybe put up walls, Christ's example to us is to keep forgiving, to keep reaching, to give people an opportunity to make it right. This world needs people like Barnabas. And I don't have to explain to you why. Because we need people to lift up others in this very difficult time. We need people who will stand in the gap for the marginalized. We need people who will look for ways to help others find a sense of purpose, even in this horrendous season that we're in. We need people who will point people to Christ in everything that they do, in everything that they are facing and going through. And so this morning, I'm just going to close by praying for us and asking the Lord to search our hearts, to challenge us to be better people, to be better families, to be a better church, because this world needs revival. This world needs a book of Acts, church. And that means we need Barnabas. Jesus, I love you. And I thank you, God, for this sacred moment to be together, to pray, to hear your word, and just feel you moving among us, Lord, as we contemplate what you are saying to us. And so, God, I pray that you would lift up every heavy heart. You are near to the brokenhearted today. God, I pray that you would speak to us. There are so many voices There are so many things, God, that we are trying to juggle mentally and emotionally. We're trying to find our footing in this time. May we find what is true. May we find purpose in your word today to be a person who encourages others, to be a person who is fully present, God, in the church and in the lives of those closest to us, to help them, to be disciple makers very intentionally God to not live solely for ourselves God but to be aware of what is going on in others lives to be aware of what you would assign to us in order to help them but more than anything God make us more like you all of us have been recipients of your grace All of us have had a Barnabas that stood in the gap for us, Lord, as we came into the church. And maybe as we've struggled through life and establishing our walk with you, we have had people who have helped us along the way. And so help us, God, motivate us beyond ourselves to do the same for other people. That you could speak through us, that your love would shine through this church, that all men would would be drawn to you. 
It's in Jesus' name I pray for your blessing and your protection on us and the remainder of this season. We trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.